Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Marco Tarangi. He's the Chief Commercial Officer at Ali Salumeria, which is a company dedicated to producing high-end salumi while using traditional methods combined with the most advanced European technologies. So, Marco, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us, Sydney. You're very welcome. So I just want to start. Um, can you give us a brief overview of the company, its mission, as well as your role at Ali Salumaria? Of course, it will be my pleasure to do so. So in a nutshell, uh, Ali Salumaria was started in 2010 uh, from the vision of uh, our founder, Oliviero Colmignoli. Oliviero, his uh, nickname growing up was Ali, uh, hence, you know, the name of the company. Uh, he has basically uh, grown up in a family of salami makers. Uh, his great-grandfather before him, and his great-grandfather, his grandfather, his father. And so basically, we're talking about a family that has about 170 years of experience in this uh, industry, in this trade. He came to the U.S. in 2004 to work for, his, uh, for the American branch of his grandfather's company, uh, Ferrucci Foods. After a few years spent in the U.S. Uh, and you know, gaining experience and knowledge of how the market works and uh, some of the uh, manufacturing practices are, he decided to start his own company. And uh, the mission, the vision uh, that he had for this company was to create a salami, a product, a food product that would not only be a mere product, but that would give an experience uh, to the consumer, a full experience of what it means to taste salami like the one that we make in Italy. So as a little bit of a background, uh, when a lot of the Italian companies came to the U.S. in the 80s, in early 80s, uh, mid-80s, to make salami here in the U.S., um, the audience wasn't the same as it is now. Uh, the palate wasn't as refined. And there wasn't as much demand for this kind of product. Also, uh, USDA and uh, you know the uh, local authorities they demand uh, certain um, requirements, health requirements that are not as easy to achieve. And so, a lot of these companies they had to change the way they made salami, right? Uh, so the Traditional Italian salami flavor was somehow changing nature to adapt to uh, the U.S. manufacturing prices, practices, health requirements, and, and market. Um, fast forward uh, some 20 uh, to 30 years, we are in a much different situation right now. Uh, rules have changed a little bit. Uh, new practices and techniques have come forward. Uh, and especially the audience and the palate of the American consumer has changed a lot. So there is demand for uh, and not just in salami, but in general in food, there is demand for more traditional foods, uh, less processed, uh, cleaner tasting, 
uh, food that are more authentic to their origins. So for example, uh, salami to its Italian origin. Um, so going back again uh, to the origin of Oli. So in 2010, Oliviero uh, saw the opportunity to create a product that would be more authentic to its origin, uh, cleaner, and uh, with a more cutting edge packaging uh, that would have a, a higher appeal, a higher vision and marketing appeal to the consumer. And on these basic principles, he started his company or our company, Oli Solomaria. Uh, so basically we started very small in Virginia uh, from a, I think it was maybe, maybe a 12,000 feet facility. It was, it was pretty much a kitchen. <laughs> and uh, so what we did is we got some antibiotic free pork. In fact, the Oli brand is all made with antibiotic free pork. We got some uh, natural ingredients very few ingredients, natural and clean. And then we mix them together to make a salami utilizing a process that we call the slow curing. It's very much similar to the Italian process. Uh, it's a process that respects the food that doesn't need like some funky ingredients. It doesn't mistreat uh, the food, but it like, just lets time to its job. So basically what we do is we ferment at low temperature. Uh, we cure for a longer time to develop a cleaner taste, a better texture, and overall a better salami experience, if you will. So these are uh, the first two points. The third one was creating a strong brand. Uh, so we did that by you know, hiring a design, a marketing design agency that created our, our brand, our logo. Uh, and we started using some uh, new uh, innovative uh, packaging technologies. For example, at the very beginning, we only used to make uh, our salami chub. We call it chub, but essentially you might have seen it in the market. It's, uh, it's a salami stick uh, with a casing and the white blooming mold on in a, in a floor wrap package. So before then, nobody else tried to uh, floor wrap a full salami like that. Uh, Oli had this vision to use this like a paper film and floor wrap it and basically have the whole salami with still the mold on in this packaging. Fast forward like 20 years, now all major salami brands use that kind of package for their job, right? So innovation was very much uh, in the spirit of um, Oliviero and Oli and uh, it, is, it is still very much one of the traits that we preserve that we try to uh, incorporate in our everyday activity, innovation. So speaking of innovation, can you share more about sort of the inspiration behind Ali Salumaria's decision to pioneer the first preservative-free salami in North America? That's how I first heard of you as a, as a company and, and, and covered that story. I thought it was fantastic. Well, that's good to know. That means that our uh, uh, PR agency are doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because I know Colin is listening to <laughs> But so jokes aside, um, it's quite simple, actually. Uh, so salami is, uh, you know, traditionally salami is made using some kind of nitrites and nitrates. Uh, they're basically uh, used to cure the product, right? So the nitrites, they play a, a, a crucial role in uh, uh, keeping the meat, uh, you know, red, nicely colored, keep it from spoiling and help the curing, right? Uh, so there are a couple of ways you can incorporate nitrites in the salami, and these are by using conventional uh, nitrites. Uh, we're talking about 
basically like salt peter, pink salt, minerals, right? Uh, you can also use um, fermented juice powders derived from uh, different vegetable origins. Like, uh, for example, we use in most of our products, we use, and we always use uh, celery juice powder. So celery ju fermented celery juice powder, it's a natural alternative to uh, conventional nitrites and nitrates. Okay, so eventually, uh, they you know celery juice powder does the same thing that conventional nitrates do. So they they help the curing, and they preserve the color of the meat. Ultimately, your body perceives uh, celery juice powder in the same way as you know it perceives and processes uh, nitrates. There are some health potential health concerns about nitrates and nitrates. Nothing conclusive, but obviously, as you know. Uh, oftentimes, the audience and, and you know and the public, uh, more than more than you know scientific evidences, determine what's good and what's bad, right? So, and uh, and a brand like us that has always been very very careful and very open and listening to what the public and the audience wants, uh, wanted to find an alternative. Notice, I wouldn't say a solution, but definitely an alternative, a cleaner alternative. Uh, so we saw the opportunity to basically eliminate all uh, sources of nitrates by switching celery juice powder to a new ingredient that I cannot disclose, obviously, because it's um, it's used in our proprietary formula. Uh, this new ingredient is uh, a mix of a, a plant compound, uh, polyphenolic compounds. So polyphenols are plant compounds such as uh, phenolic acid, flavonoids, and other compounds that have antioxidant properties. They are found in a, a lot, um, you know, quite a few uh, legumes, uh, vegetables, uh, fruits, uh, cocoa, uh, cocoa powder, coffee, chocolate. And um, so these compounds have antioxidant effects that basically keep uh, help preserving the meat, preserving the color of the meat, preserving the meat from spoiling, and help the cure. What they don't have are nitrates, and nitrites and ni nitrates and nitrites. Sorry, I always get those two mixed, and all the bad possible bad and potential health concerns that come with it. So basically, we experimented for uh, quite a bit of time. We experimented for I would say probably eighteen months. Uh, so when you do when you create something new, something like that, and you create a new formula, uh, it's not just as simple as uh, mixing it up. Uh, you do one batch and then it's ready, poof, it's ready, magic. No, it doesn't work like that. So you need to basically identify uh, the proper ingredients. You need to identify the proper mix. So you do the formula a little bit. Uh, the first thing that you got to do, you got to make sure that, you know, it works, right? So once it works, does it taste good, right? Because just because we eliminate the nitrates and we use it something that is cleaner, if it doesn't taste any good, people are not going to want it anyway, right? So the taste is uh, paramount and crucial. Uh, after that, you know, you when you when you make salami, when you deal with meat, when you cure meat, you're working with USDA. You are inspected by USDA. You are vetted by USDA. So you need to come up uh, with uh, results that are acceptable and approved by USDA. In order to do that, uh, when we do something new like this one, we have to do a challenge study. In the challenge study, we take the new formula, we make product, we inoculate the product with all kinds of pathogens and bad stuff that you can imagine. And we need to obtain a five log reduction. Basically, we need to eliminate 99.9999999 of the pathogens. Well, we made it. 
So the challenge study was expensive, was lengthy, but it did work. And uh, we got USDA approval. We started making additional uh, flavors, uh, some sample batches. We put together a few labels and now we're out selling the product. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, you know, what were some of sort of the challenges of, you know, that Ali Slumaria faced during the development process? And, um, you know, I know it additionally, it took a long time, but uh, yeah, I was wondering if, uh, you know, there were some setbacks during this process. Yeah, normally when you, most often when you develop a new recipe, uh, you always have to, uh, you know, do some adjustment, right? You put a little bit too much of that not enough of, of the other one. So uh, even though we have been making salami and we know how to make salami, there are always some small adjustments to be made, right? Uh, I would say one of the challenges is the fact that uh, it's not like uh, cooking bread or making cookies or making making salami, especially the way we make it with our process. Uh, you know, by, between the moment you mix the formula and the time you actually get to slice it, taste it, and see if it worked out, uh, we might be waiting up to three months, right? <laughs> so that in itself is a challenge, right? Because you don't know if it's any good until three months later. And then after that, uh, you got to make sure that what you did is going to be uh, good for a while, right? Uh, it has to be sliced, packaged, and you have to go like and do a shelf study, a shelf life study to make sure that it's good and it can be put in distribution. Um, I would say, as far as a, as far as the biggest challenge, it was probably just uh, finding the right uh, combination, the right amount of, uh, I would say, the right proportions in the formula uh, to nail the taste and uh, the safety of the product. Uh, but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I think now the challenge is to, and that's what we're working on, we're working upon exactly right now. The big challenge is to communicate this concept to the market, to the audience, and basically educate uh, the market to this new new way uh, of making salami that does not include any nitrates. Make sure they understand that it's not the usual non-nitrates, uh, except for the ones naturally occurring in celery juice powder, but it's not nitrates, period. Uh, we got to make sure that people understand that it is safe uh, to eat, even though it's got no nitrates. So the promotion, uh, I would say the communication, the promotions are definitely a challenge. Uh, we have been working on it. And then we are looking to find our first point of distribution. Making sales is always a challenge because it doesn't only depend on you. <laughs> I mean, ultimately you gotta convince somebody else to make a decision, right? So yeah, speaking of sort of your audience, I know that there's a high demand for clean label products and that's been on the rise. So. Um, I would imagine, you know, that your your uh, preservative-free salami kind of aligns with this clean label movement. Um, and do you see it catering to the more like health-conscious consumers? I would definitely hope so. And uh, yes, we have been keeping an eye on, um, more than keeping an eye, we have been witnessing all along uh, this higher demand for, for cleaner product. Basically, that's how our company was able to be born and develop and grow uh, the way we did. Uh, obviously, we're still a small company, but the growth uh, in only 12 years was pretty impressive. So yes, we have been catering to people that want cleaner product, that, want, uh, that are more health conscious, and they want a more authentic eating experience. 
And I definitely think that this, um, this new recipe, this new formula will uh, replicate what we have been doing so far. So I know that, you know, the company is very committed to both simplicity and also innovation, but can you discuss sort of that balance between preserving the traditional art of salami making while also incorporating these modern, you know, technological advancements like being nitrate and nitrate free? It's actually, thank you for the question. It's one of the most interesting questions and definitely gives me an opportunity to explain uh, because uh, oftentimes when we, you know, when we work with buyers or we talk to uh, consumers, they say, oh, but now you guys became big, right? So you have not like the, uh, the small traditional company that you started off as. And I, I would say that's not true. That's not necessarily true. In fact, that's not true at all. And let me explain this. It's very simple. Uh, making a traditional product is about the ingredients that you use and the way you process it. Including technology is about increasing the efficiency of how you process your product, not about changing the process, right? And let me explain this a bit further. So we use antibiotic-free pork. We use good cuts of pork. We use simple ingredients, so we don't overpower our product with too many ingredients because our cure develops a good taste. So we let the meat shine through, the taste of the meat shine through. So we use pork, salt, pork. Uh, po I mean, the meat block is the biggest uh, part of the recipe. Then we have salt, obviously. Um, and then we use spices that are clean, simple, and not in an excessive uh, quantity. So the other part of making a traditional product, uh, a traditional uh, authentic product is the process. So we employ a process that respects uh, the food. So we ferment at a low temperature, so we don't heat treat our product. That basically uh, contributes um, in keeping a, a higher P, a slightly higher pH, so a less acidic taste. And we also don't dry aggressively, but we let the product dry uh, consistently, but in time that develops uh, a better texture. So these things that I just told you, the process and the ingredients, they're unchanged from when we started. What changed is the fact that by investing in new technology, investing in more technologically advanced solutions, we can have more control of our process, more control of how we inventory and how efficiently we buy and, and utilize the ingredient. So if anything, it's gonna make the taste better and it's gonna make it an even more authentic uh, experience, right? So we don't utilize the technology to speed up the process or to take shortcuts. We don't take any shortcuts. Simply with better technology, with better curing rooms, with higher capacity drying rooms, we can make product of this kind in a higher capacity, more efficiently with better control. And efficiency and control are important, are essential when you make food, right? When you make food for uh, yourself at home, you are a great cook, right? You're a good chef. You make your own pasta dish and you make it delicious. If you try to make the same thing for uh, you and your friends and your family at dinner of 15, and you try to use the same pot and pan, right? And the same small uh, gas stove, and, not going to work out that well, right? So you need to invest into a better stove. You need to invest into better uh, um, pot and uh, pots. 
so that you can basically keep the same efficiency and keep control or even improve it, right? To obtain the same excellent result. And that's what we're doing right here. So uh, a lot of the technology that we are investing into uh, is also on the packaging side. When we first started as a company, we were making just salami and just the salami chops, right? Now uh, we make salami that we also slice and pack into antipasto packs and antipasto packages, uh, snack packs, and so on. Uh, so having efficient uh, slicing and packaging machines enables us to get to have better control. Better control means uh, less opportunity. So the product just basically uh, stays exposed to the air for less time. For, uh, so we have more control. We have more control in the way we seal the packages, right? Uh, we have like more uh, quality uh, checkpoints to make sure that not for any matters make it into the package. So technology is essentially to make a good product. So, and if you want to keep, uh, the excellence uh, and the tradition of the product you make, you need to invest into better technology to make it happen. Uh, also, sorry, the second part of your question was about the formula. Uh, so <clears throat> that was actually, uh, that's actually a, a very good question as well, because obviously you change the, you know, you change uh, an ingredient that is traditionally, uh, has been traditionally used for many, many years. And it's part, uh, it's an essential part of making salami. When you, take that out and you use something new, obviously you got to worry about uh, how is this going to taste? Because if the taste changes, then like you said, you don't have that traditional good tasting product anymore. So that was, uh, that was, you know, that was actually uh, one of the challenges. And uh, luckily enough, uh, between our owner, our excellent QA team, we have a very expert director of R&D. They pulled it off so that the taste now if anything, it actually improved from before. Now, I'm wondering, you know, how you foresee the competitive landscape evolving, you know, the salami market in, in the North American market. Do you think that others will sort of follow in, in your footsteps or even, are they even allowed to? Because I know this is, you know, this is your proprietary ingredients and process. So uh, the short answer is yes. Yes. and. As far as I know, somebody has already uh, followed us. Uh, one thing that I want to clarify is the ingredient that we use, uh, it's not proprietary. The, our formula is proprietary. But the people that we buy the ingredients from, I'm pretty sure they're going to try and sell it to others, right? <laughs> also, uh, um, I think that uh, this trend is going to prove, uh, sorry, this concept is going to prove winning. Uh, as it was going to prove to be a winning one uh, in the next few years. And yes, people will definitely follow. I think right now we have about a year, year and a half of, of advantage. So I'm really pushing my sales force to uh, present and explain uh, these new concepts and present a new product uh, to as many, um, as many retailers and many, as many customers as possible. Uh, our marketing team is doing a great job of promoting uh, along with uh, Rocket Launch, our uh, PR agency, and E29, our marketing agency. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do my part as well.
And I'm very curious to know sort of your opinion about um, plant-based meat and even now lab-grown meat, which have both sort of been on the rise in recent years, especially the latter. So how important is it, you know, to be able to preserve traditional practices as, as your company does, but, and, you know, by offering real meat to consumers? And are you confident that demand for it will continue to grow? Oh boy, this is this is a loaded question. <laughs> so I'll give you my opinion about how our category is gonna continue to grow. And um and then I'll give you my personal perspective on uh, plant-based and uh, uh synthetically produced meat as far as our category is concerned. But what I can tell you is that our category is grow has been growing and is growing. Uh people around the US want to eat more and more circuitry okay uh so there are companies out there that have been growing at our same pace have been doing a great job at finding distribution and distributing uh we know from retailers that um they want to put more charcuterie and more salami by the way just full disclaimer i don't like using the word charcuterie it's a french word in Italian, we say salumi. It's the category that encompasses all the salami and dry meat. But it's just became it's just became a word uh, in the U.S. and it's a, it's one of the most trendy words on Instagram social media. So we're gonna use it as well. So going back to the answer, uh, we know from retailers that uh, the space in the store dedicated to salumi charcuterie is definitely growing. Uh, it used to be four feet became six, eight, and uh, a couple of retailers that we work with are looking to expand to possibly 12 feet. It's taking some space from cheese. Uh, cheese is very saturated as a category. So it's definitely gonna continue to grow. Uh, Plant-based meat in our category. I personally, we you, we did experiment a little bit. And uh, so technically we would know how to make it, but we have already made quite a decision where we want to do it or not. So there's only like one that I know, there is one, maybe two companies that have tried that, but it doesn't seem to have caught on. Uh, I personally don't see uh, a big opportunity for um, plant-based salami and uh, charcuterie, at least as of now. You know, it's such, uh, it is still such a growing category. It's still such a, a new thing to a lot of people because you know <clears throat> while there are people of italian heritage or actually full italian like me and while there are foodies uh to the biggest crowd uh charcuterie is still kind of a new thing right so there's still a lot of room to grow there and it's still growing a lot i don't think plant-based is going to be any relevant in this category anytime soon if we're talking about food service if we're talking about like uh uh, maybe restaurant chains who service uh, fresh meat, then it's a different story. And as far as uh, lab synthesized meat, I never even heard about anything like that when it comes to salami. Uh, I I rather eat natural fresh meat, but uh, I know that uh, you know synthesizing meat can be uh, can be can have a, a big impact in our society in today's world, especially with the amount of population that we have over the world and all the people that are in hunger. And that's why I don't want to venture any farther because I think it's also, it's not just a, a, a food topic, but it's very 
ethically and uh, humanely loaded as a, as a question. So as far as our category, I never heard about uh, synthetically made salami and I don't think it's going to happen, honestly. Yeah, I, the real thing is is very hard to replicate, as I'm sure you've you've tried in in some in some forms. Um, I was curious about you know um, a couple months ago, um, Italy was was trying to sort of propose a ban on um, lab grown meat, sort of just to preserve that cultural food heritage. Um, so yeah, how important is like preserving this sort of cultural food heritage to you know your your company? It is very important. It is crucial because, you know, food heritage is what makes us and other companies who we are, right? Uh, so we never played uh, the Italian, um, the straight Italian uh, card too much, right? So uh, if you probably noticed from our branding as well, we don't really have any any reference, any direct reference to Italy. We don't have like uh, flags, leaning towers or, or stuff like that, right? Uh, but we do want people to know that our know-how, our heritage and how we learn to make salami and the way we make salami is because we have this, you know, Italian background, right? And that's how we started. We also push the fact that we are probably made in the US. Uh, if you look at our um, employee base, I am basically one of four Italians out of 180 people. So for us, it's important to preserve um, the authenticity and the tradition, the tradition concept. Okay. We don't necessarily play uh, some of the Italian names that other companies might or might not do, or some of the um, uh, some of the regional traditions that are so important to Italian manufacturers. When you talk about uh, what you refer to, uh, what, uh, the discussion that was going on in Italy a few months ago, that, that, that's a very sensitive topic because, you know, we have, uh, when it comes to meat, especially fresh meat, we have some excellence, um, some regional excellences, I guess, <laughs> uh, like the Fiorentina uh, from uh, the Chianino uh, uh, cattle breed. In, uh, in, uh, in Florence, in Toscana, and stuff like that, the Piemontese, Fassona, meat. Uh, so uh, those are uh, important traditions that, uh, that basically have, a, have, a whole industry, have an whole industry and, uh, and uh, a lot of people that work in that industry uh, behind them, right? So obviously those people don't want to be uh, replaced by synthetically made meat, right? For us, that doesn't have a lot of impact. For us, it's more about being able to keep, to keep communicating that we make product in a traditional way because that's the way we know yields a better taste and a better tasting experience, a better eating experience because of our Italian heritage. But we don't push that Italian card uh, on our packaging, on in our in our messaging. Mm, I don't know if I, I don't know if the the answer came across cleanly and uh, it's not a, such an easy subject to um, topic to explain. What do you think? No, it, it did. It did. It was perfect. Um, and that was, that was sort of my, you know, my last question, but um, Marco, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I really look forward to trying um, your salami one day. Oh, I look forward for you to trying that as well. And, uh, you know, our uh, plan 
our home here in Oceanside, California is open. If you ever want to come and see us here and take it through the plant and see in person, uh, feel free to do so. To do so. Uh, we can arrange it. Thank you for having uh, me on this podcast and uh, giving me an opportunity to talk about uh, our amazing company. Of course, of course. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.